We're going to be in Luke's gospel today, if you'll be finding that in the scripture. We're going to be in Luke chapter 7. Again, good to see you. Good to have guests with us. Good to have the Shaver family here with us today. Missionaries to Iceland. So, great to have them just passing through. Most missionaries put St. Clair on their, you know, places they must visit on deputation. So, to... So the great metropolitan area here. We're glad to have you guys and other guests as well. And um, we're going to talk about something today that sometimes as believers we may not like to talk about. But it's the subject of doubt and going through times when we may doubt. Doubt things that we once believed. uh, Doubt things that... uh, that we get confused about, and we're going to look at a man in the scripture, John the Baptist, who went through such a period. In Luke chapter 7, if you're able to stand with us, please stand for the reading of the word of God. And we're not going to read the entire chapter, but prior to our text, just before that, Jesus has uh, healed uh, some people. And in verse 11 and following of chapter 7, he actually raised a man from the dead. And verse 15 of chapter 7 says, And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And they delivered him, this dead uh, man that's raised from the dead, to his mother. Verse 16 says, And there came a fear on all, uh, a sense of awe and respect. It wasn't every day that a funeral procession was interrupted by the person being raised from the dead. And it says in verse 16, They glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us. And I love this last part of verse 16. And that God hath visited his people. Isn't that a great recognition? that This is not just a man. God has visited his people. And that brings us to verse 17. And this rumor of him about Jesus went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. And the disciples of John, talking about John the Baptist, the disciples of John showed him of all these things. And John calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come? Or look we for another. In case you haven't read this recently, kind of just let it soak in. John, by the way, at this time is in prison. And he sends two of his disciples to Jesus to directly ask him, Are you the one we're looking for? Are you that had should come? Or look we for another? When the men were come unto him, they said to Jesus, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour, he, Jesus, cured many of their infirmities and plagues and evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way. And tell John what things you've seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended 
in me. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand today, but answer this question, you know, in your own mind. Have you ever struggled with doubt, even since you've been saved? And not just doubt about your salvation, but doubt about other matters of truth. Have you ever questioned things that you once were convinced were true? And then you find yourself wondering and questioning and having doubts. And knowing what we know, and we're going to look at a bit of this today, knowing what we know about John the Baptist, I would assume this is a man that would never be plagued with doubt. Yet here he is, sending messengers to Jesus to say, are you the one that we're looking for? Are you he that should come or do we look for another? And so we're going to dive into this together for a little while this morning. John's battle with doubts. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for what we have before us. The very words of God preserved for us that we can understand your message to us and we thank you for including in the Bible this record of John's struggle and I pray that you'd use your word today to encourage us to help us and I pray if there be those here today that are maybe doubting certain things or struggling with things or questioning things that they once were confident in I pray that you would help us today and I pray if there are those here today who've never been saved who don't have the assurance of salvation, that today you'd speak to hearts. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, to fully appreciate uh, John's struggle, I just want to briefly just do a little refresher on his life and his testimony. Uh, John was unique in a number of ways. And one of those ways is that his life, his ministry, his coming was actually prophesied in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, the book of Malachi. He was the promised forerunner that would come before the Messiah, that would be a messenger that would prepare the way, the Bible says, for the Lord to come. If you look in verse 27 of our text there, Luke 7, look in verse 27. This is what Jesus said about John. This is he of whom it is written... Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. And then notice this next verse, which is Jesus' testimony concerning John. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So Jesus put him in a place of recognition, commendation, unlike anybody else. Never been anybody born of woman greater than John the Baptist. So just so there's no mistaking, he was, he was not sort of a wishy-washy kind of a follower. This is a, a true saint, a devoted servant of Jesus Christ. And yet, as we look back in Luke chapter 7 and verses 19 and 20, he had questions He's had questions. He's battling with his thoughts, specifically thoughts about the identity of Jesus. And so as we look at this today, we wanna, I want to better understand John's periods of doubts. But I also want to look at the subject of doubts in general. Because I think it's something that needs to be addressed from time to time. And I'd, I want to uh, submit to you today that periods of uncertainties or doubts 
are not uncommon. You know, I know there are people who say, well, I've never, ever since I got saved, I've never doubted anything that God has said or anything. And that's wonderful if that's you, but that's not the majority of people. As a matter of fact, if you look into the Bible and, and just look at Bible characters who, had, who doubted, uh, my namesake is the most famous doubter, uh, Doubting Thomas. And uh, he, you know, he was a, a bona fide doubter. He, this, the, the message or the passage that comes to mind most often is this was after the resurrection of Christ. Jesus had died on the cross and raised from the dead. And on the evening of the resurrection, Jesus met with the disciples, and John wasn't there. By the way, just a good uh, place to put a plug in for evening services. John wasn't there, and Jesus showed up. And the disciples says, you're never going to guess who came. And, and John said, who? And Jesus, he's alive, and we saw him. He actually came, and and, and the, all the rest of the disciples get, gave testimony about that. And, and this, is what, this is what Thomas said. I won't ever believe unless I see myself. If I can actually touch the wounds in his hands, in his side, then I'll be able to believe. And, uh, of course, when Jesus showed up the next time, Thomas was there. And he gave that great declaration. My, behold, my my Lord and my God. But, but Thomas wasn't the only doubter. Numerous times. Um, in many situations, the disciples had periods of doubt. If, hold your finger here in Luke 7 and go to the left, if you would, to the Gospel of Matthew. This, again, is a passage about life among the disciples after Jesus raised from the dead. In Matthew chapter 28, I just want to read a couple of verses here that point, point out this subject about the doubts that they sometimes had. Verse 16 of Matthew 28 says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So it's, it's not that uncommon. Even Old Testament prophets went through struggles and periods of questioning uh, Jeremiah, one of the great prophets, questioned whether he should even continue his calling. I mean, he, if you, we have in Jeremiah 1, we're not going to turn to it, but Jeremiah began his ministry with great boldness and confidence, a messenger of God. And yet, through his ministry, the weariness of dealing with people and dealing with persecution and dealing with false teachers took its toll on him until finally he came to the place to say, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this anymore, but thankfully his doubts were overcome. And doubts can be overcome, and doubts should be overcome. Even Elijah himself had a time when he considered whether he even wanted to live. Imagine that. This great prophet that stood on Mount Carmel and faced the messengers of the devil and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? And yet, not long after that, he was wishing that he could, his life could just be taking. He saw his life as being Worthless. I'm just saying there are going to be times when people doubt. And many of us will have times when we question or doubt things. We may, we may question decisions that we've made, after, especially after the fact, after the years go by. We may question positions that we've taken. We've taken, you know, we heard a good lesson this morning in the 
message in the Sunday school hour about the importance of standing strong on the Word of God. And yet, sometimes we may take a strong stand based on the Scripture, and then later on we begin to question some of those positions that we've taken. We may even question doctrines we believe. Now, we're going to come back to this and make application in a bit. But, but first of all, I want, to, I want to try to answer a question here in Luke chapter 7, and that is this. What caused John to question? Why would someone like John the Baptist begin to be uncertain about the identity of Christ? Now, you, again, just to refresh our memory, he had been certain about who Jesus was. He had positively identified Jesus with these words, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. This is the Messiah. This is the promised Savior. This is the Deliverer. He knew who He was. He even baptized Jesus, right? He baptized Jesus. So here we have this man who had been a just a brave, bold, powerful preacher of truth that multitudes came to hear him and follow him and many of them were baptized by him. But what caused him to question things he knew to be true? And I hope that you'll really think about these things today because you may be sitting here today and say, I've never questioned anything that I nailed down as truth and I've never wavered on it. But just File this away somewhere because the day may come when you do question things. Now, based on what we know in the scripture, the primary reason I believe that John doubted was because of where he was, what he was going through, what he was experiencing. It doesn't tell us here in Luke chapter 7, but in Matthew 11, it tells us that he was in prison. He, when they, when the, the, we don't know how much access that people had to John in prison, but obviously he was able to communicate with his disciples, get messages to them. They could get messages to him. And in prison, he was hearing about reports, about things that were happening, and he began to inquire about that. And, and just to, again, just to kind of set the stage, he, he was committed to prison because of his confrontation to Herod the Tetrarch. And uh, John the Baptist had rebuked the political leader uh, because he had a relationship, this political leader, Herod, had a relationship with a woman of the name of Herodias who was his brother's wife. It was a wrong relationship, an illicit relationship, an immoral relationship. And John, this bold prophet, had gone to Herod and called him out on it and said, what you're doing is wrong. And earlier in the Gospel of Luke, I'm not going to turn to it today, but it says that John reproved Herod over other things as well. This man was a strong voice for righteousness. But now he's in prison. Herod wouldn't put up with his confronting him, his confrontation. And so he had him put in prison. And uh, we don't know for sure how long he was in prison, almost certainly more than a year, and perhaps almost two years. You know, we have these ideas about what prison life is like, and I've been in um, a number of prisons. And here in America, prison life, it, by the way, prison's always prison, no matter where you are. 
But it's not as bad in our day as it was back then. One of the worst prisons that I was ever in uh, was in a former Soviet republic. When I was there preaching for a few weeks and went into the prison, I'm telling you, if you were ever in that prison and got out, you would not want to go back. Sometime in this war country, people don't seem to have much of an issue with going back. But having said all that, this prison where John was was not a pleasant place, I'm sure. Many of those prisons were dark places, dreary, depressing, damp dungeons. Prison can be a lonely place. And here John was in prison, separated from his family, separated from his friends, and most importantly, separated from the ministry of Jesus. And it's my belief that that's one of the greatest explanations, the clearest explanation about what happened to John. Sitting in that prison, these questions began to form in his mind. The loneliness, the difficulty, the fact that he had gone from being a notorious, really in a positive way, a very famous preacher, and now he's alone in this prison. And I, and I think there's a lesson for us. I think trials and difficulties and dark places can lead to confusion and doubting and wondering and questioning. And, uh, and so he gets to thinking, maybe I was wrong. It's been, it's been a while. I've been here by myself. Nobody's come to see me. God hadn't brought me out. Jesus hadn't even come to see me. May, maybe this wasn't really the Christ. By the way, John, in case you don't know this, John would never leave the prison alive. They came to him one day and executed him, beheaded him, and took his head on a charger before the daughter of Herodias. So John is there, and while he's there, he's having these doubts and questions. And I just want to say today, doubts and questions can come to any of us. And they can come... As fleeting thoughts, they could come as uh, unwelcome guests, but they can come. I was, I was reading an article yesterday as I was preparing for this, and I read an article about someone who did a thorough study in the New Testament on the subject of doubts. And they wrote that doubting in the Bible is almost exclusively by believers. Even, like I said, the disciples of Jesus had times of doubt, and Jesus would correct them, sometimes rebuke them, bring them back, especially in times of darkness, like the disciples when they were on a storm-tossed sea was one of those places. Discouragement, those kind of things. In those kinds of moments, we can be inclined to doubt. One author said, faith is a matter of the heart and doubt is a matter of the mind. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. We believe truth by faith, but then sometimes our mind starts playing tricks on us and causing us to question or to doubt. And especially when we're going through trials, we wonder, why is this happening? Why is God letting me be here? What did I do to cause this? Many years ago, so far many years ago, it was before we moved here, which we moved here in 1977, and the church that we were in there in Mesquite, Texas, I remember, and I think I know who it was, but I remember a preacher saying this, and it stuck with me. Never doubt in times of darkness what you believed when you were in the light. 
Never doubt in times of darkness. You say, what, is that, what does that mean? It means, you, you know, you could, you could set out to discover some truth or, or really nail down some truth in Scripture and God sheds His light on that. Or maybe you're sitting in a service like this and God, through His Word, speaks to you about that. Or God has His way of communicating truth to us. And at that moment, it just seems so certain and yet down the road, maybe years, maybe decades, you begin to question that and wonder about that and revisit that subject. So never, this was his piece of advice, and I think it's good advice, never doubt in times of darkness what you believed in the light. You know, Peter, if you'll remember Peter, whenever he and the disciples saw Jesus coming to them, and they were walk, uh, he, was, he was walking on the water, and they were troubled and fearful and and Peter, being that impulsive apostle that he was, said, Lord, if that's you, then bid me to come. And Jesus said one word, come. And I admire Peter so much. He got out of that boat and started walking on the water to Jesus. But then the Bible says that he began to see the waves boisterous. The wind, the waves, the storm. And you know what happened to him? He began to doubt and he went down and of course Jesus rescued him but if I could have just been there I'd have said Peter never doubt in the darkness what you heard in the light but you know what it happens to all of us it happens to all of us Please hear me today because a person questions some doctrine or belief that they've held does not mean that that belief or doctrine is wrong it may mean that your mind is rethinking what your heart has already accepted. And we need to be careful about that. You know, John's faith wavered because he was in a very difficult and painful place in life. But there's another thing that he was. He was alone. He was alone virtually. In the dark with his memories with his beliefs, and with all the things that were going on in his mind. And I think this is another factor that causes people to question certain things, even beliefs. And that is when it seems like you're the only one that holds them. When it seems like you're in the minority. When it seems there's little support from friends or family of those beliefs. You know, it's easier to hold on to a belief even if it seems to be a bit extreme, but you know it's in the Bible. It's easier to hold on to things that you know are true when you're supported and strengthened by a lot of other people. By the way, that's one of the reasons why the church family is so important. Because we hold truths that are similar. We hold truths to the Word of God. I don't expect everybody in the world, everybody in our neighborhood, everybody where you work to support all of our beliefs. But we support one another in the fact that we believe that the Bible is indeed the Word of God, the source of all truth, the guide for our life, the final authority for our decisions. And we believe that. But when we feel like you're the only one, like John, you may start questioning. You know, nobody else seems to think this is important. And I want to tell you, that battle goes on in a lot of people's minds. They take a biblical position on some issue, and they hold to that position... 
But then when they start looking like, man, nobody, even other Christians don't seem to think this is important. I mean, everybody else is doing this. Young person, you ought to think about this. You start questioning, is this really the best way? Why aren't more people on board with this? By the way, I want to go back to one of the Old Testament prophets. This is a part of the dynamic that caused Elijah to, to go into a spiritual tailspin, or at least an emotional tailspin, he said this, I, even I only, am left. I'm the only one that's standing for truth. I'm the only one that's doing this. And that has a, a, can have a devastating effect on a person emotionally and cause them to start questioning. Here's, here's the thing I want us to think about tonight, today, and that is this. What, what did John, when John the Baptist started doubting What did he do with his doubts? What did did his doubts motivate him to do? He didn't turn away from Jesus. He didn't believe his thoughts. You know what he did? He went to Jesus. He sent two disciples to Jesus to confirm for him the identity of Jesus. John went to Jesus to settle his doubts. And by the way, that's a good piece of advice, I think, for all of us. When, when we may be questioning something, go to the source of truth to settle the issue. Don't listen to your minds. And I know most people here probably don't have the problems that I do sometimes, but I overthink things. And, um, you know, you can imagine all kinds of things in your head, right? The, the problem, when a person says, well, it's all in your head, a lot of times that's exactly where it is. It's in your head. You get to thinking things and wondering about things. But John did the right thing. One of the worst things that we can do if we're doubting some truth is just listen to voices that agree with our doubts rather than consult the Word of God that was just a source of truth. And I could give you numerous issues today, and I'm going to just to kind of put an example on it. I think these are things that that the kind of things that people start questioning. One would be like faithfulness to church. I mean, uh, we believe the Bible teaches they ought to be faithful to the house of God. We believe it's clearly taught in the Scripture, not just once, but throughout the context of Scripture. We know that there are times we can't be there, things of that nature. But the Bible teaches that. But you know what? Even among professing Christians, you don't get a lot of support for that in the day and age in which we live. So where are you going to turn? You're going to to listen to what everybody else says? Or are you going to turn to the Word of God and see what the Bible says? One issue that Baptists, historically, Baptists have taken a strong stand on is the danger of alcohol and even social drinking. And... um, Today, we live in a day, we, we heard this morning, Sunday, we live in a day when it's like everything is up for debate. And that's a subject that many, many people now, even who go to Baptist churches, have said, well, you know, Jesus turned water into wine, so it must be okay, without really digging into the truth and seeing what all the Bible has to say about that. And, and I'm just saying here today, we need to make the Bible the source of all truth, our, our truth. You know, one of the things that I, that I share periodically in teaching about various subjects is this. Um, if you don't know what you believe about a certain thing, 
shed all the Bible truth and light you can upon that subject. Look at it. Don't just look at one verse of Scripture and, and see that as the, 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 the final authority, the only subject. There are many verses that speak about a lot of these things. And you know what, young person? You sh- I, I appreciate the fact that a young person might believe something because we teach it in our church, or they may believe it because their parents do. But you ought, to, you ought to get into the Word of God yourself. And see, what does the Bible say about these particular subjects? And uh, by the way, when, I think it's interesting and I think it's really worth noting that when these messengers came from John the Baptist to Jesus and said this to Jesus, are you, John sent us to ask you this, are you the one that should come or should we look for another? Jesus wasn't defensive about it. Jesus didn't rebuke them for it. Jesus actually let them witness his miraculous power firsthand. And then he says, you go back and tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. and settle, So you can settle these doubts in his mind. And I, I think that's important to understand. Jesus could have rebuked them and said, what do you mean questioning me? But he did not do that. He sent the disciples back, I'm talking about the disciples of John, with firsthand testimony, irrefutable evidence that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And you know what John discovered in his time of doubt? He discovered that he was right all along about Jesus. And that's a good thing. If you're Go through a period, you're questioning something. Maybe you're even doubting your salvation. Maybe you're thinking about some other issue you're questioning. The goal is not to try to disprove what you used to believe. The goal is try to say, what does God say about that? And very often we can say, you know, I should have known. I was right all along. <laughs> you know, um, I was reading an article yesterday about about a Barna survey, which is a polling, a polling company, about this subject. And this, this was the results of this survey. Their finding was that two-thirds of professing believers that they surveyed, two-thirds of professing believers have had times of doubt. But another thing they discovered in digging down among those who had had times of doubt was this. More than half of those who struggle with doubts said their doubts actually resulted in their faith becoming stronger because it motivated them to go back and revisit the scriptures and what they believe. I don't know why I'm thinking about those early days of our Christian life, but um, I remember hearing a message once, and this was a, a period of time my wife and I had been out of church for years, and we were hearing good sound preaching, and I heard a message where the person that was preaching was, was basically trying, I believe, successfully causing about everybody in the house to doubt whether they were really saved or not. I think he was doing a good job. But this is what he said in that message. He said, doubting even your salvation can be spiritually healthy if it puts you on a track to seeking God more earnestly about the truth. And it can actually lead to stronger faith. I want to wrap this up by looking back at our text in Luke chapter 7 at a statement that Jesus gives along with his 
verse 22, Luke 7, 22, along with Jesus saying, go your way and tell John what things you've seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached, and he said, blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. You know, the word offended means to stumble, to trip up, or be ensnared by something, to be trapped. And what Jesus is telling him, I believe, is don't let the struggles that you're enduring cause you to doubt. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Blessedness comes from trusting in me, trusting in what I say and what I've done. So as we think about this today, doubts may come to us from time to time, but it should not be a way of life. It should not be the way we have to struggle in our life. You know, the Bible is a book of certainties. And God wants us to be settled on His promises. God is not playing games with us. You know, there's nothing more important to God than us knowing the truth and living the truth. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. God wants us to, to be settled on the certainties of God's truth. You know, I'm thinking of a couple of passages of Scripture. I'm not going to have you turn to it, but I want to read one of them. It says this in 2 Timothy 1. Paul wrote, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. God wants us to have assurance. Most importantly... And he wants to have assurance about a lot of things, about the integrity of the scripture, about what he teaches about holiness and obedience and our responsibility in the world and what he says about the home and the family and the role of parents and how we ought to... All these things, God speaks clearly about these things. But most importantly, we want, he wants us to know with certainty that heaven is going to be our home. That when we leave this life, we're going to go to be with the Lord. There's nothing more important than that. And John the Beloved, later in his epistles, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle, he said, These things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Please listen to me. God would not leave something so important as the eternal destiny of, his, of people to question or uncertainty. You know, I've had people actually say that they, you know, they, they figure they'll just wait till the life is over and I'll, figure, and I'll wait till then and I'll figure it out then. I guess I'll find out then. Listen, friend, that's too, too late to find out. God wants us to know we're going to heaven. I'm not saying even as Christians you couldn't have a period of questioning or doubting that, but God wants you to have peace and assurance in your heart about that. These things have I written unto you that believe, on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And if you're here today and you're not saved, you can't have that assurance. You know, this may sound a little strange, but... There's something that troubles me, concerns me, I should say maybe, more than a Christian who has moments of doubt. And that's this. 
a person who has no evidence at all that they've ever been saved, and yet they act like they don't doubt at all. That puzzles me. That puzzles me. Listen, if you're not sure you're saved, you ought to come to Jesus Christ. Salvation is not found in any other place, form, person than Jesus Christ. We were knocking on doors yesterday um, and talking to a person about their salvation. And they said, let me ask you something. Because he said, a friend of mine told me this, and I'm just wondering what you think about it. They said, really, uh, we all believe different things, but we're all kind of going to the same place, and we'll all eventually get there. What do you think about that? And I said, that's what I believe. No, I didn't say that. I said, that's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. It's not through our church or any church or any religion. It's through Jesus Christ. And we have to believe on him, trust in him completely for our salvation. Put our faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And it has nothing to do with us earning it, being worthy of it, meriting it anyway. Jesus paid it all. Jesus said it is finished, and that's exactly what he meant. So if you're here today as an adult or a young person, you don't know that you're going to heaven, you say, I'm just not really even sure that I've ever been saved. The good news is you can know. And the good news is that Christ paid for everything necessary for you to go to heaven. But you have to come to him. You have to come to him with a repentant heart and faith in what he did on the cross and trust him for your salvation. And you could do that today. Even now you could do that. In a moment we'll be having a word of prayer and the piano will be playing. I'll be standing down here at the front. If you're here today and you say, I want somebody to talk to me about that. I need to get this matter settled. You ought to come and somebody will talk with you and pray with you about that. Maybe today there's just been something you've been kind of questioning and doubting and wondering about. Take your doubts and go directly to the source of truth, to Jesus Christ, to the Word of God, and let Him settle those things in your mind. I hope and pray you'll do that. Let's bow our heads together for prayer today with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. As I said, I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I want to urge you, don't just say, well, it's over with now, the service is over, we've done our thing. No, let's, let's think about this. Let's apply it to our life. I really believe today that the Lord directed me in this message, in this passage, and to to deal with this matter in John's life. And I believe if he did that, it's probably because people here have struggles with doubts and wondering and questioning. And I pray today that you'll be helped. You'll take those things to the Lord. And if you're not sure you're saved, I just want to strongly urge you to come. While folks' heads are bowed and people are praying, you could come and come right to me and say, Preacher, I want want somebody to talk with me about this. And there are people here who could help you. Our Father, as we pray today, we thank you, Lord, for again, for your word. Thank you for the truths we find in your word. Thank you for the fact that we read the Bible. We can 
see the emotional struggles, the humanity of prophets and disciples and followers that help us understand that because we've ever questioned anything or doubted doesn't mean we were always wrong. Lord, you, you want to use those doubts to draw us closer to you, and I pray that that's the case. And I do pray today for those in this room that are not saved, that the Spirit of God would work in their hearts. And we ask you, Lord, to help us just to, to really be anchored in the certainties of your word.